0: Get the next 10 weeks of The Spectator in print and online for just £1. There's no commitment and you can cancel at any time, but hurry because this offer runs for a week only. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash sale.
1: Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, The Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. With the funeral of Queen Elizabeth taking place tomorrow, it is no surprise that warm words and condolences have been filling the airways since her death was announced 10 days ago. However, amid the tributes, the world has continued to march on and few have marched more relentlessly than the Ukrainian army. With their recent counter-offensive against Russian occupation proving so successful, Laura Koonsberg sat down with Admiral Sir Tony Radikin the Chief of the Defence Staff, to discuss their progress.
0: What's really going on? Can you explain to us what's happened?
2: I think in many ways we're seeing, we're seeing more of the same. We, at the very outset, we said that this was a strategic error by President Putin. And strategic errors lead to strategic consequences. And in this instance, it's strategic failure. Putin is failing on all of his military strategic objectives. He wanted to subjugate Ukraine. That's not going to happen. He wanted to take control of the capital. We saw that that was defeated earlier on. We saw that he wanted to weaken NATO. NATO is now much stronger, and we have Finland and Sweden joining. He wanted to break the international resolve. Well, actually, that's strengthened over this period, and he's under pressure. His problems are mounting. He's always had a problem in terms of crewing the equipment that he's got. He hasn't got sufficient manpower. His forces are thin on the ground. And we're also seeing a magnificent Ukrainian armed mm. forces who have been courageous, they're fighting for their country. And they've embraced the international support that all of us are providing. And that's now having an effect on the ground. But it's, it's, it's more of the same. At a strategic level, this is a failure for Putin. And Ukraine is fighting to maintain their integrity, and to gain more of their country back.
0: And do, do you think this is a turning point that sets Ukraine on a path to a, a victory and Russia losing, and Putin potentially losing his power?
2: I think we've got to be very cautious. I think it's significant in terms of what's happening on the ground. It's really significant for Ukrainian morale. It's significant for the impact it has on Russian forces. But people need to be cautious, the likely... The likely result with all of this is that it's going to grind on for a long time, and that's that's why we, there's a wishfulness when mm. people jump to conclusions that either President Putin is 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 weak and his power base might be undermined, um, or that Ukraine has gained some ground and it's been a, a magnificent action in the northeast, but it doesn't automatically lead on to mm. easy victories elsewhere. You're seeing that in the south with the fight over Kherson.
1: A great many world leaders have arrived in London to pay their respects to Her Majesty, and some have been more than happy to add a trip to the BBC to their to-do list. Koonsberg spoke to New Zealand's Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, about comments she made last week about the inevitability of her country becoming a republic.
0: You've expressed great affection for for the Queen, um, but in terms of the relationship between our two countries, Mm. there were occasionally protests when she visited New Zealand some years ago, And you say now that it is inevitable that New Zealand will become a republic in your lifetime.
3: Why do you say that? I think even the Queen herself has observed and acknowledged the evolution over time in our relationships. In fact, when she she came uh, to New Zealand several decades ago, she herself acknowledged that The treaty between uh, Indigenous New Zealanders, Māori, and the Crown had been imperfectly observed. Mm -hmm. That simple observation is still spoken of today because it demonstrated that she was reflecting back Mm -hmm. her observation of the reality and and, um, of uh, New Zealanders' lives. And so uh, my, um, certainly, and this is just simply my observation, my observation is that there will continue to be an evolution in our relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't um, believe it will, be, uh, it will be quick or soon, but over the course of, of my lifetime.
0: But how then, and and when? Because it's one yeah. thing to say, or it, it, you feel
3: that that's the sense of direction. But how, how and when? And this is one of, I think, for New Zealand, a major consideration, of course, mm-hmm. is because we have complex arrangements. Mm-hmm. The Treaty of Waitangi, a very important founding document for uh, for Aotearoa New Zealand, signed between Māori and the Crown. These are. This is why uh, it's not a process. Um, I have any intent of instigating, mm-hmm. but if and when it does occur, it will take time and it will need to be very
1: carefully worked through. Koonsberg also interviewed Sheikh Hasina, the Prime Minister of Bangladesh. She asked Hasina if she would publicly commit to holding free and fair elections in her country next year after the 2018 results were called into question.
0: Both the United Nations and the Queen's Commissioner, the Queen's High Commissioner, did call on your government to commit to a free and fair process, and the United Nations have spoken about allegations of disappearances. Allegation,
4: any, many people can place allegation, but how far it is true, you have to judge. Before that, no one should make any comment. So because in our country, I told you that military ruler rule the country.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: They form parties, they never go to the people and ask for vote for them. They use the army, use administration, use everything just to remain in power. Only during our time, you can see free-fair election.
0: And I've, I've heard very clearly that you have committed to those elections being of free course, and fair and course. being in your, in uh, your constitution today. It, it is today. my
4: struggle. It is my struggle to establish democratic system, free-fair election. And will you crack down on groups who've been accused of disappearances?
0: The United Nations have raised concern about things that are going on. OK,
4: how many people disappear in your country or other country? you can just All these issues, I think, first you have to take all the information you collected, then they can accuse. The United States climate
1: envoy John Kerry put a vote of confidence in the new King Charles III.
0: And do you hope the new king will continue to raise climate change in the same way as the Queen mentioned
5: it? I, I, I very much hope so, obviously in the same way within the, within the constitutional process. But there is no question in my mind that uh, that is not a, a standard multilateral issue or bilateral issue. It's, it's a, uh, there is a threat to the entire planet, a threat to all of our nations. Uh, and he understands it as well as anybody on the planet. He's been consistently uh, on this issue, uh, beginning in his teenage years and carrying on in many different iterations, and he's for real, believe me. Have you spoken to King Charles this week? Yes. I I, I did have an opportunity to be able to talk to him while I was in London uh, and very much appreciated his thoughts at that moment in time and was very... uh, very pleased that I was able to express my condolences personally and the condolences of uh, our country.
0: And would you like to see the King attend the next COP climate summit in Egypt and speak in the same strong terms that he did in Glasgow last year?
5: Well, personally, I think that uh, it would be terrific if he was able to do that.
1: And finally, the former Archbishop of York, John Sentamu, spoke about the preparations made for the Queen's funeral over many years as part of Operation London Bridge. Archbishop Sentamu, you have been talking to the royal family about preparations for this funeral, I
0: think, since 2005. Can you give us a sense of what we can expect? So what you're going to expect is the best of 1662 funeral service, the prayer book service, the words... Which actually were an inspiration uh, to Shakespeare when he came to murder scenes and places like that. So you're going to hear this wonderful, um, you know, English at its best. Also, you're going to hear angelic voices of the choir of the Abbey Place, the Chapels Royal. You really hear voices that are singing to the glory of God. Um, the Queen does not. And did not want what you call long, boring services. Did she say that to you? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you're going to you're not going to find boredom, but you're going to be lifted really into glory as you hear the service being sung. That's
1: all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman, and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes Store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily Evening Blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week.